how it lights my path, how it guides my way. So, um, I'm reading from Luke 9, verses 18 to 27. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. For I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Lord, I just thank you for Stephen. I thank you for what he has prepared, that meal that he has taken time over, Lord, to feed us, Lord, and give us that spiritual food that you have for us today, Lord. We seek it eagerly. We are hungry for your word. And I pray that as that word goes forth from Stephen, Lord, it will go forth with the power and the unction of your spirit. It will land in our hearts. It will feed us and strengthen us, that it would lift and reignite our faith, Lord, as as we hear your word. Lord, I pray for him, Lord, that he would know the flow of your spirit, that he would know your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Smita. Morning, everyone. Now, Shirley said earlier on that she wanted me to be short, and I was thinking the only way that I can really be short is if I speed up, okay? So if I increase the amount of words that I say every second. Now, some people say that I actually already talk quite quickly, so I'm sorry about that, but so you can, you know, keep up, because I'll be, I'll be speaking quite quickly now. I'm only joking. I'll really slow down so you can understand. Um, I don't know, um, as you've been reading this passage, what you thought it was all about, but I was thinking that this passage is really all about a conversation, A conversation that happens between Jesus and Simon Peter. And we kind of start the conversation kind of in the middle. So it's not the start of the conversation. It's kind of close to the end. But we kind of jump in right in the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having with Peter. And I don't know how many of you would say that you kind of like conversation. Don't know how many of you would be kind of conversationalists. Would like to have a good chat. Um, Some of us may well be into that kind of thing. Some of us may not be, okay? Some of us may kind of think that's the worst possible thing. If you had to, for 30 minutes, speak to somebody nonstop, you'd kind of rather hide under a stone. There are lots of different kind of mixtures, aren't there, of people around. Some of us like a chat, some of us don't. But this conversation is a really important one um, for Peter because it starts to change the direction of his life. 
And uh, we come right in the middle, right in the kind of the crux of a conversation that Simon Peter's having with Jesus. And it starts to change what he thinks about himself and what he thinks about Jesus and his life ahead and what it means to follow him. So it's very appropriate that we're also thinking about baptisms this morning because this passage is all about what it means to follow Jesus with all of our hearts and what the ramifications are and the kind of the permutations are when we start to open up our lives to Jesus and things start to happen. So the kind of the key question in all of this that Jesus asks Peter is he says, who do you say that I am? Who at this minute in time do you think that I am? Now he's saying this after he said, not just what other people think of me, but Peter, what about you? What are you saying in your heart of who I am? Because Jesus is trying to get to like the heart of the matter. He's trying to get right down into the heart of what Simon Peter is actually thinking and believing about him. Jesus doesn't just want the kind of the old pat answer, the kind of the answer that you can kind of, um, on the, at the you know, click of a finger, kind of if you want Simon Peter just to reel off what he thinks everybody else wants him to say about Jesus. He wants to know actually in your heart this morning, what are you thinking about Jesus? Because that really does matter. What we really believe in our hearts, it really does matter and it really does count for something. It's not just kind of what we would want to say. It's not just what we would want to believe. But actually, here and now, in November 2023, what is it that we're thinking about Jesus? What impact is he making in our lives? Now, I have got three visual aids, and I think maybe somebody over here is going to help me in a second. Is that right? Just in a second. You're very, very keen. You can, you can sit down for one more minute, Zoe, and then you're going to be able to show me something. And then maybe if there's a young person or child kind of in the front area, might want to help me. And then I don't know. We're going to just choose somebody at the back, okay? One of the young adults, I'm sure, that doesn't mind holding something. You're going to be holding something at the back in a moment. But the reason that we've got three visual aids is I want to think about the words that Jesus says into Simon Peter's life as being very, very important in three particular ways. So, the first one I want us to think about is this. What is this, children? It's a magnet, okay. It's your kind of bog standard magnet. Now, I reckon, Zoe, do you want to hold this one? Okay, now you can just, if you want, you can hold it up for like 10 seconds. You can walk around with it, whatever you want to do. You can just hold it there, whatever you think, so that people can see what this is all about. Now, I think that in the middle of this conversation, as Jesus was speaking to Peter, he was, Jesus was acting a little bit like a magnet, okay? Because Jesus was trying to get hold of the truth that was in Simon Peter's life. A little bit like a magnet tries to kind of attract things that are very much like it. Kind of tries to attract the metal, doesn't it? And kind of draw it to itself. That is what was going on in this conversation, that Jesus was trying to draw out the truth that was in Simon Peter's life. You might might say to me, actually, but obviously that's what Jesus was trying to do. But the thing is, thank you very much, Zoe. Sometimes the, the truth is that it's sometimes difficult for Jesus to get to the truth in our lives. Sometimes it's a little bit lodged behind something else. Sometimes it's kind of hidden amongst a whole load of other things. But Jesus is always trying to, in his conversations with us, try to kind of magnetize and draw the truth out of our lives. Now, this phrase, when, Jesus, when Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, 
There's one other person in Scripture, and I wonder if anybody else can tell me. There's one other person in the New Testament that says, you're the Christ. It's not just Peter. There's one other person. Does anybody know who that person is? Any thoughts? Who else says it in the New Testament? Martha, that's right. Well, then in. Martha also says, you're the Christ, but she says something a little bit more broader than that. She says this wonderful thing. Martha says, yes, Lord, I have believed that you're the Christ, the Son of God who comes into the world, even he who comes into the world. And so at that point, when Martha makes that declaration, Jesus is like this magnet. Oh, quickly, Zoe, hold it up again to remind everybody. There you go. Jesus is again acting like that magnet, and he's drawing the truth out of Martha's life. But Martha, at that point in her life, was at a pretty low moment. Thank you very much, Zoe. She was actually thinking about her brother being dead. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days when Jesus was kind of drawing out the truth from her. And I'm sure Martha didn't want to say anything like that at the start of the conversation. I'm sure she was overwhelmed with grief. I'm sure she was just completely depressed that she was trusting in God. He said that he would get Lazarus back, but yet it's four days on and nothing's happened. I'm sure Martha was at a pretty low point in her life, but Jesus comes with that magnet and he starts to draw out of her what is already there. Because Jesus knows that Martha has got a lot of truth inside of her and he wants to draw it out. And so he's using that magnet, that kind of that magnetic personality that Jesus has, he's drawing it out of her because he wants her herself to recognize that actually Martha is saying, you know what, all of this awful stuff is going on with my brother, but you're still the Christ. You're still the son of God. You're still the one that's come into this world. You're still going to find a way to help me and my, and my sister Mary and my brother Lazarus. So he's drawing out the truth even when Martha feels she's at her lowest point. And that is part of the conversation that Jesus has with us when we know him. He's drawing out the truth. Oh, hello. Um, and I think this truth surprises Peter. Surprises him in a little bit like, let's see, which this this one. Okay, right. So, does anybody over here want to hold this one up? Okay, there you go. Brilliant. You can hold it up because people might not know exactly what it is until I explain it. Okay, those are some vital signs, okay? Those are signs of life, okay? So if you've got that, if you're in the hospital and that's going on, you're definitely alive, okay? And I think what surprised Simon Peter was that the truth was alive in his life. That's what Jesus was doing. He was drawing out the truth like a magnet and he was helping Peter to see that there is truth in your life that is alive. It's got a heartbeat. It's got vital signs and it's going to do you good. If you've got a heartbeat, it does you good. And that's what happens when truth is living. Thank you very much. You can sit down if you want to. Brilliant. That's what happens when truth is living in our lives. It's got a heartbeat. It does something good to us. And that's why Jesus sometimes asks us quite pertinent and challenging questions because he wants to draw out truth that is full of life because he knows that it will do us good. And so when Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, something is happening within his heart where he's realizing there is life within the words of Jesus. He's been around Jesus quite a lot and listening to his every word and suddenly it kind of comes rushing up to the surface and he realizes that there is life in the truth that Jesus has spoken into him. There's also probably um, a reason happening in the first verse that we read out, which says that Jesus was alone praying with his disciples, which is kind of like a, 
a bit of a conflict, isn't there? It's a bit of an oxymoron. How can he be praying alone, but yet his disciples are at the same time? So something is happening at that very start of the passage where Jesus is praying, and the disciples are kind of watching. Maybe they're not engaging with the prayer, but they're watching Jesus praying. You see, the more that we are around a God that prays for us and loves us and cares for us and is interceding to the Father on our behalf, then we can find that actually the truth starts to emerge from our lives and it's living because we're around a God that's praying for us and loving us and caring for us. So first of all, the truth is magnetic. It's been drawn out of our lives. Second of all, the truth is alive. It's got vital signs. It does us good. We know that there's truth coming up to the surface in our lives. And thirdly, now let me see. Let's go. Okay, maybe I'll just walk to the back there. And Liz, I'm sure, will find somebody that wants to parade this one around. These are kind of Elton John kind of glasses, you know, those tinted ones. Um, This is my third picture, which helps us describe a little bit of what truth does in our lives. You see, when we get hold of truth and we know that it's living, it's like we're putting on some new glasses and then the world is seen in a very different color. And actually, sometimes when you've got rose-tinted glasses on, excuse the pun, you can see things that actually you didn't see when you were just looking normally with your glasses. There's colors and kind of insinuations and different um, kind of varieties of things going on in the world that you only can only really see when those glasses are on in a different color. And I reckon that Simon Peter needed those glasses on over his kind of spiritual vision because Jesus says some very, very challenging things. Jesus says this, hold on a minute, if I can find it. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So very challenging words. And rather than hearing those words, and feeling completely flattened by them, feeling like, oh, how could I ever be that kind of person? How could I ever carry my cross every day? How could I give everything away? How could I forfeit everything? How could I do all of that kind of spiritual behavior? Rather than feeling a bit like that, deflated, out of reach, Simon Peter's got those glasses on, and because he knows that truth is living in his life, he can receive this challenging word, which is, which is a form of truth as well. It's been spoken by Jesus. And he recognizes, actually, that kind of way of living, it is true. If I live that kind of way where I carry my cross, it's going to bring me a lot of joy. It's going to do me a lot of good. It's not going to make me feel heavy every day. It's not going to be just like a drudgery and kind of piling on the weights on my shoulders and crippling me. It's not that kind of spiritual life. The kind of spiritual life that I can see when I'm looking out through the glasses of truth, I can see that actually walking that kind of life, actually walking that way where I'm carrying the cross, where I'm getting rid of a love for possessions and getting rid of a love for this world, when I'm getting rid of all those things actually and casting them off, then there is a wonderful way to live that I can only really see when I've got hold of truth. And that is why Simon Peter was able to do some wonderful things for Jesus and it didn't flatten him. That's why he had a really important calling in the church and it didn't flatten him. That's why he could go through a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and it didn't get wiped out. That's why his Christian life kept on living because he was able to feed 
the truth in his life. He was able to keep on having a conversation with Jesus that he didn't close down when it got too tough, like Martha could have done. He didn't close the conversation down. He kept open to the movement of God in his life. He kept open to receiving more truth. He kept open to truth being alive. He kept open to Jesus wanting to draw out the truth like a magnet. And that's why he could be the kind of man that he was. He could be the man that says, actually, you're the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the one that is completely baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be under that anointing. I want want to be under that kind of Christing. You see, the... um, Jesus Christ, it's not just his surname. Um, once um, in the school that we uh, do some work in, and one of the children was asked um, in, one of the primary, in one of the classes, they said, what is Jesus' surname? And one of the little boys put his hand up really quickly. He said, I know, it's Jesus McCardo. That's my surname. And I said, <laughs> we're like, no, 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 it's Jesus Christ. I know you know Stephen, but they've got different surnames. Um, you see, it's Jesus Christ. It's not just his surname. It actually, it's a title that when we come to know Jesus we come to know what it means to be Christed or anointed or what it means to be coming under the power and the authority of a Messiah who loves us and cares for us. And that's why Simon Peter moved on and did incredibly successful things for Jesus is because he knew that he knew Christ who was full of the Holy Spirit and he could receive that spirit into his life. And the more that he did it, the more that he found that truth was living in his life. And the more that he could say that actually, I'm not just going to be caught up in this world of possessions and accumulating things and thinking that's what life's all about. But I'm also not going to be bound by this whole idea that death is the end, because it says at the very end, doesn't it, that actually there's some here that won't taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So in other words, part of the truth at that very end of this passage is that life and death aren't just the bookends of life. There's a way that we can live. We can have some glasses on that show us there's a different way to live where death doesn't define us and the end of life is not how we think it is. Life and death are not defined in those ways when we come to know Jesus. And so Peter was getting hold of loads and loads of truth. And I'm going to finish there. Let me just check the timing there. Yeah, brilliant, perfect timing. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that all of us this morning would know an opening up of that conversation and a pouring out of that wonderful Christing of Jesus into our lives, that wonderful anointing of the Spirit of God. So why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you so much that you were full of grace and truth. And Lord, that we can approach you, Lord Jesus. Maybe some of us haven't really spoken to you for a while. That conversation, maybe it's run a little bit dry and maybe it needs to be reopened again. Lord Jesus, maybe some of us are in the middle of a conversation with you and we've kind of run aground a little bit because it's difficult. And there's difficult things that we're hearing from you and there's difficult things going on in our lives, Lord Jesus. And some of us perhaps have had many, many years of talking to you and of knowing your truth living in us. Lord, we all come at it from a different angle. But Lord Jesus, for each one of us, you want to pour out your Holy Spirit. It is like an anointing oil that pours down on our heads. It brings with it such a joy. It brings with it such a peace. And Lord, I just pray now in this last moment that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit upon all of us, whether this is new to us or not, whether we are filled with the Holy Spirit today, yesterday, or for many years, Lord Jesus, we just take a moment now to receive your Spirit into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus.
And Lord, I want to particularly pray for those who may feel that they're going through a very difficult time, like Martha, where there's lots of grief around, lots of things that can depress and oppress and cause us sadness. Lord Jesus, I pray for those of us this morning that truth would start to rise, that you'd get hold of the truth in our lives and draw it to the surface that we can know that we belong to you and there's truth living and active in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living